Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome again to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 AM and 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Today, we'll be talking about the extraordinary wealth uh, that some of Australia's private schools are getting and their brawl to gain access to even more of your taxpayer dollars. Um, A Melbourne private school is receiving nearly $20 million in JobKeeper, as well as uh, we'll talk about NAIDOC week in schools, as well as uh, car schools and Biden's uh, promises uh, not being fulfilled in America, as well as uh, how in Texas charter industries are encountering obstacles. But And later on, we'll have a great state school. But Let's get on with it. Uh, Today's press release is press release 895, uh, titled Private Schools Brawl to Get Their Snouts Deeper in the Funding Trough. In three groundbreaking articles from Nine Media, that is the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, Ben Schneider and Royce Miller have exposed the extraordinary wealth of some of Australia's private schools. The first is Australia's top private schools are growing richer and faster than ever from June 18. The second is top private schools build up multi-million dollar investment portfolios from June 19. The third is bags of money and the old school tie, private schools and their impact on Melbourne from June 20th, which we heard last weekend on the program. On some similar themes is colleges build ahead of steam and leave many fuming in the Sun Herald from June 20th. Perhaps the most telling commentary on these extraordinary figures illustrating the excessive greed of the private education sector is an article by Trevor Kobold published in John Menadue's Pearls and Irritations website. Dogs reproduce it with the comment that people like Trevor Kobold are still hopeful that some kind of needs policy can be imposed by Australian governments on the private sector. Dogs disagree with this belief. Events have proved time and again that the private sector is just that, private. Its main raison d'etre is the private, not the public good. Schools attached to all manner of religious sects have gamed the system again and again. Early, first in the early days of Whitlam's needs policy with the bottom of the schoolyard schemes and then later with more open lobbying in the Howard era. 
in the last 10 years, their preferential treatment vis-a-vis the public systems have become a national scandal of even growing billions of dollars proportion. Yet our governments have rewarded blatant greed, sexual abuse of children and lack of accountability for public money with ever-increasing billions. So, to the the answer to the equity, civic and political problems in Australian education is to stop state aid to private schools, take over the private schools we already pay for and leave those who can stand on their own financial feet to be truly independent. Here's what Trevor Cobalt has to say. Over to you, Maddie. Private schools brawl to get their snouts deeper into the funding trough. This is an article by Trevor Cobalt, as Dale said, and it was written on June 28th of this year, 2021. A coalition of independent schools complained on the ABC 730 report that they are disadvantaged by the Morrison government's new funding model because their funding increase is not as big as others. They want yet another special deal from the Morrison government, as do many other independent schools. The new independent school group called the Coalition of Metropolitan and Outer Regional Schools wants more Commonwealth funding. They claim that they will receive less funding under the Morrison government's new direct measure of income funding model than under the previous Turnbull model. However, according to the Commonwealth Education Minister, Alan Tudge, the schools will continue to have funding increases locked in all the way out to 2029. Figures supplied to Senate estimates in March 2020 show that several commissra. Commissra, <laughs> that's the acronym for this, okay, this <laughs> independent schools group, which is crying poor. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, they will receive large increases in Commonwealth funding. For example, funding for Canterbury College in Queensland which featured in the 7.30 report, will increase by $3.3 million between 2020 and 2029. Flinders Christian Community College in Victoria will receive a $4.7 million increase. Several schools in the coalition, including Bacchus Marsh Grammar, whose principal is leading the campaign, are also members of the Ecumenical Schools Association of Victoria, whose funding will increase by million over the period. Only a few schools will have their funding cut because they are already heavily overfunded. The Commissra claims 73 member schools, although its website lists only 21. That's weird. Uh, It's a a rebel group they're calling themselves. Uh, Not every independent school is willing to join forces with them officially by the looks of it. Okay. Okay. Um, Apart from a few exceptions, those listed on its website are all highly advantaged schools. The My School website shows that 18 of these schools are in the top quartile of the Index of Community Socio-Educational Advantage, the ICSIA, which we're also familiar with here at DOGS. These 18 schools have a high proportion of students from advantaged families and very few from disadvantaged families. Low socio-educational status students comprise only on average 4% of enrolments, while 50% are from the top SES quartiles and over 80% are 
are from the top two quartiles. Only 1% of their students are Indigenous. Their average government, Commonwealth and state funding was nearly $13 million in 2019 and nearly $10,000 per student. Their average total income was just under $24,000 per student. It really is a classic case of well-off schools trying to get their snouts deeper into the taxpayer trough. Um, the other three schools in Commaestra are not disadvantaged by any means as their ICSIA scores are well above the national average and around 50% or more of their students are from the top two SES quartiles. Their government funding <clears throat> totals nearly $50 million per year. Their average government funding is $12,000 per student and their average total income is $18,000 per student. It's a lot of money going into their pockets. The principal of Bacchus Marsh Grammar, which is a prep to 12 school, told the 7.30 report that our people are menzies, forgotten people. Yeah. They are how, yeah, battlers. How is battlers? And they do ask the question, why a conservative government is doing this to them? <laughs> <laughs> this would be laughable if it wasn't so serious. Exactly. It's true. Yeah. Only 5% of the school's students are from low SES families, while 76% are from the top two SES quartiles, and it has no Indigenous students, according to my school. Its total income per student in 2019 was $21,000. Just ridiculous. This compares with average funding for two local public schools, Bacchus Marsh Primary School and Bacchus Marsh College, of only $13,000 per student. Yet, these two schools have a much larger proportion of low SES students, 46% in the case of the college and 24% in the case of the primary school. This highlights the unfairness of the school funding system. Public schools have much more to do than private schools and with much less income. Sora, would you like to tell us about the rest of the article? I would love to, thank you. The new brawl, again, exposes deep divisions within the private school sector over the DMI. Independent school associations bitterly resent the ruthless campaign by Catholic school associations, which contributed to the downfall of the Turnbull government. Morrison gave Catholic schools a funding increase of $3.7 billion to 2029 to buy peace, but cut funding for independent schools by $218 million. The Choice and Accountability Fund provided $445 million over 10 years to compensate independent schools for their loss under the DMI. But Catholic schools get the lion's share at $727 million. Oh, my God. While the Independent Schools Australia has welcomed Morrison's special deal as a fair and reasonable resolution of the current funding issues, it held deep reservations about the model, including its impact on some types of schools. Several ISA affiliates are unhappy with the deal and are putting pressure on the Morrison government to deliver more funding. In a briefing to affiliates in December of last year, Independent Schools Queensland Executive Director David Robertson said, the new funding arrangements are likely to feature heavily in the next federal election. 
He recently told the Courier-Mail that he was concerned that the DMI model had disproportionately negative impact on some regional schools. The Chief Executive of Independent Schools Victoria, Michelle Green, has expressed concern about the long-term impact on independent schools in regional areas and says the DMI was introduced before it was properly tested and validated. The campaign by Kumaisra also reveals divisions within ISA. It is highly critical of the distribution of funding providing through the Choice and Affordability Fund, which is allocated at the discretion of state affiliates. Kumaisra says this funding is less accessible for regional schools than for inner metropolitan schools. It wants a bigger slice of the pie. Kumaisra and ISA affiliates are clearly building a campaign for the next federal election to get another special funding deal from the Morrison government. Kumaisra wants zero disadvantage clause so that schools do not lose funding due to the DMI model. In other words, a no-losers deal. The Morrison government has demonstrated it will bend over backwards to keep the peace with private schools. Within weeks of taking office in August 2018, it had negotiated a $4.4 billion funding deal with Archbishop Anthony Fisher to buy peace with the Catholic school, with the Catholic Church after its ruthless campaign against the Turnbull government's modest moves to reduce overfunding. This deal was negotiated long before arrangements for the DMI were determined. The deal was so beneficial that Fisher admits that Catholic, the Catholic school system has never had it so good. That's what he said. That's wild. Look out for another special deal for independent schools in the coming months. Mm-hmm. The introduction of the DMI and the Choice and Affordability Funds ensures that Catholic and independent schools will be overfunded by a total of $3.7 billion between 2022 and 2029, $1.9 billion for the Catholic schools and $1.8 billion for the independent schools. Even if this is just the tip of the overfunding iceberg because the DMI funding model is so riven with flaws that the financial need of private schools is massively overestimated, it underestimates the capacity of families to contribute because it ignores school fees paid by grandparents as well as other income provided to their children, non-taxed income from the capital gains and non-disclosed income in Australia or income held in an overseas bank account and tax haven. It also excludes school wealth and ignores private donations to schools and capital gains income from the investments. An investigation by The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald estimated the wealth of Australia's top 50 private schools as $8.5 billion, including multi-million dollar investment portfolios. These investments generate dividends and franking credits, which are not taxed, and nor are they subject to capital gains taxed when sold to fund new school buildings. Meanwhile, public schools are vastly underfunded. Save Our Schools has estimated that public schools will be underfunded by a total of $73.7 billion over the period from 2019 to 2029, under the current funding arrangements between the Commonwealth and the states, which are systematically biased against public schools. The vision of the Gonski report to focus education policy and funding on reducing inequity in education 
has been extinguished by successive federal coalition governments. There is now no option but to return to the drawing board and design a new funding model to address disadvantage and improve equity in education. A new model should build on the principles of the original Gonski report and be free of the conditions and special deals imposed by the Gillard government that had subverted the integrity of the model. Yes, that's what happened when, uh, to try and ensure re-election, Julia Gillard was forced to make the promise that under Gonski, no school would lose a dollar, which meant that Mm -hmm. everyone who was already overfunded would remain overfunded. And um, that, unfortunately, has just taken, well, it's a toothless tiger now. It's It's... taken yeah. all of the all of the good things that could have come out of Gonski. It's, it's disabled Gonski, essentially. But let's have a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Dogs on 3CR. Did you know that each donation over $2 you make to 3CR's Radiothon is tax deductible? That means that when you're doing your tax return business, you can claim your 3CR donation as a legitimate tax deduction. To make a pledge to this year's Radiothon, call the station on 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. 3CR Radiothon, community powered radio. Good afternoon, listeners. You're listening to the Dogs Program on 3CR. And, yeah, we're the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, and we are talking about, well, the unfairness of uh, funding policy for education in Australia and just how how the rich schools are able to rot the system. For example, uh, I've got a nice article here by Naaman Shu. Uh, about a Melbourne private school who cut fees after receiving nearly $20 million in JobKeeper. Wesley College offered parents discounts of 20%, waived other costs and made a $5 million transfer to its scholarship fund last year. Uh, Wesley College lost no staff by the end of 2020 and generated more net cash than it did in 2019, with 12% of revenue coming from JobKeeper. An elite Melbourne private school offered parents fees, parents fee discounts of 20% last year after it received nearly $20 million in JobKeeper subsidies. Wesley College in Melbourne, which charges some of the highest private school fees in Victoria, gave its parents fee rebates and waived other costs and made a $5 million transfer to its scholarship fund after it received $18.2 million in JobKeeper last year. At the start of the coronavirus pandemic, the school recorded a fall of over 30% of revenue, making it eligible for the federal government Uh, payment. However, by the end of 2020, the school had lost no staff and generated more net cash than it had in 2019, with 12% of its revenue coming from JobKeeper, according to its annual report. During the year, Wesley College gave fee discounts to parents, including 20% reduction in Term 2 tuition fees and the 100% reduction of consolidated charges, 
for terms two and three. The school also transferred five million to the Wesley College Foundation Scholarship Fund to fund scholarships for future students. The principal of Wesley College, Nicholas Evans, told Guardian Australia that the JobKeeper subsidy had saved hundreds of jobs at the school. Wesley College, which had an estimated $192 million in assets in 2019, reported, two reported a $2.2 million surplus at the end of 2020. On Wednesday, a, spokesper a spokesperson for the, gov for the school told Guardian Australia that it would not be paying any JobKeeper funds back. Evans said in a statement that all JobKeeper funds were used to help pay staff salaries through April to September 2020. More than 200 staff members would have lost their em employment in 2020 if not for the JobKeeper program, he said. It should be noted Wesley applied for the initial round of JobKeeper assistance and declined to apply for all subsequent rounds. How magnanimous of them. However, the school did not provide an estimate for how much money it spent providing fee rebates to its parents. Wesley College charges annual school fees of $28,480 for a local student in year six and $34,610 for students in years 10 to 12. A year 12 student on full boarding will pay $61,610. International students are charged an additional 4,500 uh, per family, not per student. The consolidated charges are 1,930 for a student from years five to 12. The Federal Labor MP Andrew, Andrew Lee said that taxpayer money through JobKeeper should not have been used to subsidize the private school's fees. JobKeeper was meant to keep battlers in jobs, not subsidised school fees in exclusive private schools, he said. The billionaire businessman Jerry Harvey has previously refused to repay $22 million in JobKeeper that Harvey Norman received, despite its profits more than doubling during the pandemic. Wesley's, Wesley College's annual reports show that JobKeeper was the school's second highest source of revenue in 2020. Last year, the school received more funding in JobKeeper subsidies, $18.2 than it did in federal government funding, $16.7 or state funding, another $2.8 Evans told Guardian Australia that the school tightly constrained its capital works and other costs through the year to con contribute to the eventual surplus. In the school's annual report, the president of the school, Marianne Stilwell, wrote that the school had paused all major capital works at the start of the pandemic. However, she said, by the, cal by the end of the calendar year, our major projects are back on track. In 2020, tuition fees provided 73% of the school's revenue. JobKeeper provided 12%, Commonwealth funding provided 11%, and state funding provided 0.02%. Despite the discounts offered, fee income only dropped by 0.03% in 2020, falling $300,000 in total from $113.1 million in 2019 
to $112.8 million in 2020, according to the annual report. The school's expenditure rose from $138.4 million to $151.4 million. Evans told Guardian Australia that several hundred Wesley families expressed financial hardship, requiring assistance through our dedicated fee help channel during 2020. He said that a number of families at the school had their business and employment affected by COVID-19 restrictions. We continue to extend tuition support for these families through bursaries and extended repayment programs, he said. This surplus and the operational savings have been reinvested to support families via the scholarship fund to deliver further support through the pandemic recovery in 2021-2022 and into college operations and services. As stated at the time, we applaud the Australian government for its prompt action on this matter, which enabled Wesley to focus on supporting students, staff and families and maintain the continuity and quality of our educational programs. So again, while public schools remain legislated to be underfunded to the basic SRS standard, Wesley College is able to have a surplus during a pandemic, a surplus that is government funded. So congrats to the Morrison government uh, you really have shown the public school students out there exactly what they mean to you. We'll have a quick break and we'll be right back. confusing the cultural heritage laws in this country and that is of extreme concern to our people across this country and you know not only the Japarong trees there's Duke and Gorge and there are a number of other sacred areas of extreme significance to our peoples across the country that are being you know because of the cultural heritage laws that are in place are you know not actually protecting our heritage at all. 3CR Radiothon community powered radio to donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Welcome back, listeners. You're listening to The Dogs Program on 3CR, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And now we're going to quickly go overseas to an article written by Diane Ravitch. I'll pass it over to you now, Sorrel. Thank you. So Diane Ravitch is telling us about Biden, Joe Biden, breaking another promise to educators and parents. During the 2020 presidential campaign, candidate Joe Biden pledged to ed- educators that if elected, Betsy DeVos's priorities, such as charter schools, would be gone. That's what he said in a nationally televised forum in Pittsburgh for educators in December of 2019. In Pittsburgh, he also promised to end the federal pressure for standardized testing. In his campaign documents, 
he promised that no federal funds would go to for-profit charter schools. So far, his batting record is poor. The first consequential decision made before the confirmation of the Secretary Cardona was to insist that the resumption of federal testing in the midst of the pandemic. Now, we know that he backtracked on charter schools. The federal charter schools program, though riddled with waste, fraud and abuse, through used in North Carolina to fund segregation academies, will receive the same funding under DeVos, as under DeVos, which is $440 million a year, quite a lot. Here comes the next insult to the nature's public schools. Secretary Miguel Cardona will be the lead speaker at the National Charter Schools Conference. Contrary to President Biden's statement in Pittsburgh, charter schools will not be gone. Will Secretary Cardona tell the attendees that he is cutting off federal funding to charters that operate for profit? Will he tell them that the federal government will no longer fund charters operated by for-profit managers? Will he explain why he kept the wasteful federal charter schools program at the same level as it was under Betsy DeVos? Don't count on it. No, and of course, as we know, charter schools is just American speak for private schools. Uh, Um, And we'll have a little bit more from uh, Diane Ravitch uh, shortly uh, because there has been a little bit of opposition to the charter schools in Texas. But before we go back overseas, I'd just like to mention that coming up is NAIDOC week uh, and, you know, it's a special time to celebrate culture and country. In 2021, the theme for NAIDOC Week is Heal Country. NAIDOC Week 2021 calls for all Australians to continue to seek greater protection from exploitation and destruction of land, water, sacred sites and cultural heritage. The National NAIDOC Committee says healing our our country means finally resolving many of the outstanding injustices that impact the lives of our people. It is about hearing and actioning the aspirations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, which are the culmination of generations of consultation and discussions among our nations on a range of issues and grievances. After 250 years, our children and our future generations deserve better. We cannot afford to let pass the very real opportunity that now presents itself for reform based on a fundamental change in the relationship Australia has with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the committee says. NAIDOC stands for National Aboriginal and Islanders Day Observance Committee, and its origins can be traced to the emergence of Aboriginal groups seeking and to increase awareness of the status and treatment of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians in the 1920s. The committee became known by its current name in 1991 and the National NAIDOC Committee was first formed in 2008. Each year, a NAIDOC Week theme is chosen to reflect issues and events that are important to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And also each year on 3CR, we have our special Beyond the Bars broadcast, the only prison broadcasts uh, on radio in Australia. And um, that's especially for NAIDOC Week. So what's happening? Uh, Communities across the country celebrate NAIDOC Week in diverse ways. This includes cultural events, art art exhibitions, movie screenings, seminars, webinars and festivals. Uh, To find out more, 
about these NAIDOC Week events uh, and to discover what's on in your local area, you can go to nadoc.org.au forward slash get involved and schools can get involved. NAIDOC Week events at school can be big or small and involve students of all ages. Here are some ideas. Create an Hall of Fame to celebrate Indigenous role models. Run an art show or competition. Display NAIDOC Week posters around your school or in your classroom. Hold a flag raising ceremony. Ask a local Indigenous person to host a smoking ceremony. Host a community event celebrating Indigenous culture or visit local Indigenous sites and study their history. You can find out more in-school ideas by going to www.nadoc.org.au forward slash get involved forward slash plan your event. Uh, what about classroom activities? The National NAIDOC Committee has developed teaching ideas that support the Australian curriculum from prep to year 12. Materials also provided for VET and university students undertaking Indigenous studies. So you can find more about these resources by going to nadoc.org.au forward slash resources forward slash teaching guides. So there's no excuse for your schools not to get involved and to find out more and recognise country. Okay, we'll have a quick break. You listen to the dogs on 3CR. We'll be right back. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people and the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion. And it began 250 years ago this year. Now we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed, but we understand what freedom is, and we fight for it every day, and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism, imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Welcome back, listeners. You're listening to the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools on 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital if you're in Melbourne. Uh, thanks again to everyone who donated for our Radiothon effort. We're, we still haven't quite reached our target, so do feel free to donate uh, to the DOGS program via 3CR. You can go to www.3cr.org.au forward slash donate and you can donate to the dogs there or you can call the station and 94198377 and pledge a donation to the dogs. We're almost at our target but we're about a thousand dollars short so in order to stay on air another year please if you can Every little bit helps. And every donation over $2 uh, is tax deductible. So you can get your receipt from 3CR and that'll come in handy at tax time. Now we'll go back over to America because uh, there's been more on charter schools. Uh, Diane Ravitch has this week 
written another article. And I'll pass it over to Sorrel to tell us a little bit more. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, so Diane Ratwich has uh, written another article this week about uh, the charter industry in Texas encountering some obstacles to growth. The charter industry has set a target on Texas as a new frontier for expansion, with a right-wing governor and a state commissioner, commissioner who support privatization of public money meant for public schools, the outlook was bright. The state leadership doesn't care that public schools outperform charter schools and close down with alarming frequency. The big money fellas don't care about violating local control or the corporatization of an essential public service. This is a state where a charter chain wanted to lease a private jet for $2 million a year spend $400,000 on box seats for the San Antonio Spurs basketball games and the CEO left office with a $1 million golden parachute. Excuse me. Absolutely wild. As our friends, the Pastors for Texas Children reports, the charter lobby has actually fallen short this year. Pastors for Texas Children has praised the State Board of Education for blocking charter schools. The Texas State Board of Education took the unusual step of denying four of the seven new charter school applications today. California-based rocket ship charter schools barely passed an eight to seven vote, only after an unprecedented push from moneyed Fort Worth interests and last minute lobbying from Governor Greg Abbott. This vote comes on the heels of the 87th legislative session that saw a record 39 charter bills filed. Only one significant charter bill passed after a procedural sleight of hand when many anti-charter members were off the floor and could not vote. Very sneaky. All in all, the charter juggernaut has ground to a halt in Texas. We have taken a huge step forward in exposing the corruption of charters and equating them with the waste and violation of vouchers. Pastors for Texas Education, Pastors for Texas Children, Executive Director Reverend Charles Foster Johnson had said, we have a long way to go. It is contrary to everything Texans stand for to turn our children's education over to, over to the control of out-of-state interests. There is no evidence that charter schools outperform traditional neighbourhood and community public schools. Many charters fail and fold after several years due to poor educational quality and control. The mediocre oversight of charters has produced a pattern of waste and corruption that is unacceptable. PTC joins a growing chorus of education advocates in calling for an extensive study and review of our state's charter school policy, which has morphed into something far afield from the original intent of charters. Good financial stewardship demands that a charter expansion in Texas cease until this inventory can occur. We thank Dr. Kevin Ellis and the State Board of Education for their careful listening to many voices on both sides of the charter issue this week, as well as their careful deliberation. And we call on all public education stakeholders to unify around the moral and constitutional duty to make suitable provision for public free schools. Well, definitely agree here. That's um, a little win. That is a little win. It's good they're not getting those charter schools. Yeah, it's interesting because in America there is such a definite 
line between church and state. They they just will not have it. And um, unlike in Australia where, you know, there's no functional separation of church and state. And and that's why it's interesting to hear, uh, you know, religious bodies joining yeah. joining together with uh, parents and citizens to try to stop the rotting of of public funds in yeah. in the name of so called edu businesses. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it really shows the difference in our constitutions. Yeah, you know, we've seen in Australia. Uh, the more edgy businesses that governments put money into, the more rorts and the more scams, like as we've seen with the student debt that comes from courses that don't actually give out any real degrees or real diplomas. Uh, a lot of edgy businesses have been purely scams and um, that's the problem. The so-called marketplace is not a safe place for an institution like education. It's just that simple. The marketplace is a very dangerous place. You don't want to put all your eggs in that basket and that's exactly what this neoliberal idea is. It suggests that uh, the market is, is there's, you're always going to get a better outcome from a market. But um, as someone pointed out, competition doesn't necessarily mean good outcomes because when you look at sporting competitions, a winning team, the, the coach of the winning team doesn't go and share all of their secrets with the other teams. So it's not about sharing the, the positive outcomes, you know. Competition doesn't foster that sense of community. It fosters uh, combativeness. Yeah us and them segregation yeah and that's why i think um a lot of the americans uh especially the religious americans they're recognizing that you know the charter schools and stuff is just another legalized form of segregation because it yeah. again instead of being they're not no longer allowed to segregate on the lines of race uh but they managed to do that by segregating on the lines of socioeconomic status yep yeah. 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 And it's it's a sad thing. But we've been pontificating enough. We'll have a quick break and when we come back, we'll have a great state school. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au. Or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability 
miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And our great state school for this week is Fitzroy High. Fitzroy High School is located in the inner city area of North Fitzroy and was established in 1915. The school was closed in 1992 and reopened in 2004 as a direct result of local community action. Student Family Occupation, SFO data, indicates that Fitzroy High School has a relatively high socioeconomic family background. Fitzroy High School has a strong educational philosophy that promotes the personalization of learning and challenges students to take control of their levels of achievement and to improve their performance across a broad curriculum. The intent is to have a school where students reach their personal best in academic, physical, social and emotional areas, leading to high levels of performance and attainment. Fitzroy School values all young people and contributors. Um, and their students will become independent, reflective and creative thinkers and responsible and active citizens. The school's organisational structure is based on teams that support student learning, the personalisation of the curriculum and fosters the development of strong academic and personal relationships. It's very well-rounded, isn't it? The school has 593 students 33 equivalent full-time teaching staff, two principal class teachers, and 12 education support staff. Its ICSIA value is 1,086. That's pretty high. It is, with yes. 42% in the in the upper um, quartile, 25% of families with high incomes, and 30% in the second 25% quarter. There are 12% in the lowest 25% quartile attending this school. So 23% have a language other than English. It's very broad. Um, The parent contributions reflect the wealth of the parents being $623,000. The total recurrent expenditure on the school is $8,609,000, which means that educating a student at this school is only $13,000. That is a bargain. Isn't it? Isn't it? And it sounds like a really beautiful way to educate a child. It, it really sounds like the whole community comes together and really values their teachers, values their other parents and values their children. You know? Especially at the beginning of the program when we're talking about the literally tens of thousands of dollars that are going towards uh, private school students, like how much it costs for one student in one year, you know, and here is a state school that is doing it literally on a budget. It's completely underfunded yet is managing 
to achieve these things and uh, create a sense of community. Mm, absolutely. And I feel like the children coming out of these schools, might, they might go into politics, but they're probably going on to, I don't know, save the environment and do <laughs> something that means something to them, to them instead of being groomed to be a politician or a CEO. It would be interesting to, to find out uh, the statistics on how many children from state schools go into something to do with community service. It would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. But anyway, enough cogitating. Tell us more about it, Fitzroy. We have, we have those statistics. <laughs> it would be nice that they're probably out there somewhere. Feel free to uh, contact <laughs> contact the dogs if you've got those statistics you can send us an email the email for the dogs is d-o-g-s-a-t-3-c-r at gmail.com d-o-g-s-a-t-3-c-r at gmail.com if you've got those statistics on hand we'd be interested okay sorry to interrupt back to you no, valuable, valuable. Um, capital expenditure has been $2 million from the state, but only 700000 from the government. It's interesting. This is not a school that is particularly interested in teaching to the NAPLAN tests and participation is less than average. It really says something, doesn't it? But... A new senior secondary campus for all future year 11 and 12 students of Collingwood College and Fitzroy High School is fast becoming a reality. Building works are progressing well and the building is starting to take shape. The new campus is expected to open in early 2022. To give you a sense of what it will be like for a student in the senior program, um, you can take a 3D virtual tour through the campus and um, you can read captions to learn about some of the highlights of the student. And if you're interested in um, looking at that 3D virtual tour, I would suggest <clears throat> Googling Fitzroy High School and just following the links. And Roger Smith, who is the convener of the Buildings and Environments Committee, has written a letter to the parents and carers the students at Fitzroy High School. And he is very pleased to announce a major new initiative for the school, a proposal to build a sustainable environmental and community education hub with the working title of The Shed. It reads, with your support, raising funds to support this initiative will be the key focus of our school fundraising efforts over the next 12 months. What is it? The shed is a secure covered shed and workshop which provides a custom facility to promote and empower students and the wider school community to develop important sustained life skills. And isn't that important in this day and age? Initially focused on the maintenance and secure storage of bikes and other sustainable transportation, the shed will become part of a wider precinct, including the existing tram and kitchen garden area, which emphasizes practical, sustainable and outdoor skills development for students. So who will use it? Students and teachers who ride bikes to school and encourage more. Uh, applied learning students will use the workshop to develop projects and enterprise skills such as fixing others' bikes and even developing new products. Each year the school participates in the Great Victorian Bike Ride 
which is a tradition with a growing number of participants in the, um, oh, the growing number of participants, including students, parents, and teachers. Leading up to the Great Victorian Bike Ride, the school provides workshops on bike maintenance, safety, and teamwork. <clears throat> Secure storage for the school's bike collection, which are for students who don't have their own bikes and who want to participate in bike education. Um, how will they build it? The approach to building the shed will form an important part of the educational and community goals of the project. While private contractors will be engaged to undertake the main infrastructure build, students in applied learning programs will take the lead in the fit out of the shed facilities as part of their curriculum and project work. Of course, supported by parents and friends of the school volunteering their time, the Buildings and Environments Subcommittee of the School Council has developed a detailed plan and costing for the shed. The total cost of constructing the shed will be $50,000. This includes the cost of laying a slab, electrical connections, and the construction of the building. On top of this, we will need the school community to volunteer their time and provide in-kind support, of which I'm sure everyone will jump at the chance to do. Um, we need your help, he says. Funding for the shed will need to come primarily from donations from the school community. $50,000 is a large target, and we understand that in these difficult times, not everyone will be able to contribute. We do believe, however, that as a community, we can achieve this target and together make an invaluable and long-lasting contribution to the school and local community. Um, if you're able to contribute, please make your donations to the Fitzroy High School Building Fund. And the building fund has tax deductible status. So with June 30, just the weeks away, now is the perfect time to make a donation. And a reminder that families experiencing financial hardship are encouraged to apply for support through, through another one of our funds, the Family Support Fund, to ensure students can access the full range of educational opportunities provided by the school. Um, and application forms are available at the school office. What a beautiful initiative. What a great school. Can you imagine a private school having a project like this, uh, you know, let alone using language like <laughs> like the shed? It would be more like uh, the baronial castle and moat fund, you know. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I guess I... I'm just so used to hearing and and I'm so familiar with public school fundraising like it was always a part of being at a state school was you always had to do your own fundraising and there were students who used to get you know school awards for being the fundraiser of the year you know and and every one of those funds went towards school facilities and it's just you know, that's yeah. that's even back when I was at high school, which is in the 80s, you know, and it's just heartbreaking to think that, I mean, while it's great that it, there's such a community swell and support uh, within that school community to, to start a project like this, it's just a kick in the teeth to think of how much taxpayer money goes to schools who don't need it and, mm -hmm. and state schools yeah. mm -hmm. are left to still do fundraising. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. And they're fundraising people in their communities, which go to public schools. So, yeah. same people that aren't seeing the benefits of the tax are the people that are paying more for the fundraisers. That's right. Yeah. 
Okay, but we have run out of time for today. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Hopefully, uh, thank you to Jean for her press release today. I'm sorry that uh, she couldn't be with us today. Hopefully, she'll be able to join us again soon. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the dogs, you can go to www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Or if you'd like to send an email to the dogs, you can send it to dogsat3cr at gmail.com. So all up, that should read dogs at 3 cr at, at gmail.com. But it's dogsat3cr at gmail.com. And thank you again to everyone who uh, joined in with Radiothon this week. Uh, get involved in NADOC week next week till next Saturday. That's uh, goodbye from all of us here at the Dogs. Bye. 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 <laughs>